ever since we began at Fire Mountain, back in 2009 with the treatment center work, we began to employ contracts with the kids, behavioral contracts, suicide contracts, safety contracts. And then we began to instruct parents with coming home contracts, what to do when your kid is going to come home and how to create a contract with your kid. And there's a bunch of reasons why we do this. So today, our focus is going to be on contracts and consequences, what to do when, not if, let's let's be clear out of the gate, when the contract and the contractual agreements are broken, how to reestablish, how to get things back to the contract, and how to make clear the consequences so we don't have to try to create clarity around consequences when we're mad, when the kid's in crisis, those types of things. So my goal for today's call is to talk as much about why contracts make sense with teens, with children, and what to do when it doesn't work. And I have parents who are going to ask real-time questions about contracts with their kids. Some of the parents are going through a contractual process right now for their kids who are in Fire Mountain coming home on break and then ultimately coming home for good. So without further ado, uh, we're going to get right into it. This is Contracts and Consequences. I am a teacher, teen and parent coach, internationally known trainer. I own and run a residential treatment center for teens. And best of all, I am a happy father, stepfather and husband. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Risk and Back, brought to you by Mental Health News Radio and Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. I am your host, Aaron Huey. Beyond Risk and Back is designed for parents, clinicians, and teachers looking for support to guide the teens they care for to move forward from risky behaviors into real freedom and responsibility. Now, let's help each other get these kids back from Beyond Risk. Okay, so the first point I want to make about contracts, and to me, it's the most important point about creating contracts for anything with your kid, is that it prepares the children to live in the real world versus protecting them from the harsh things of the world. Contracts are harsh in nature, and they're designed so that people have a win-win agreement out of the gate that everybody's very clear on and everybody has had a chance to sound off and talk about and make changes to before the process begins, before the agreement actually hits go and everybody starts living by the contractual process. And that's how the real world works. And for an example, I want people to know that when a staff member is working at Fire Mountain, in addition to the job offer, which in and of itself is a contract, there are four documents of expectation that an employee must operate with children under. And they are not tiny little documents. In fact, the smallest document has 12 points to it, and one of those points has four subpoints. So the smallest 16 points to it. The largest one is more than 400 pages long. So let me explain it. So when the staff come in, we have the landmarks. The landmarks are the things about Fire Mountain that will never change. It doesn't matter who's running it or who's working there or what kids are there. These are the 12 
things with four subpoints that will never change. For example, we are always going to use the natural world as part of our teaching process. Real life skills and real life school must be instantly applicable to their real life. Martial arts as a way of dealing with conflict and controlling evil. These are things that we have done since day one and we will do till the very last. The second document they have in play is opposing what started at the beginning, but where we're going. It's the vision and mission statement. We have what we see Fire Mountain being and the how we're going to get there statements. That's a two-page document. Then we have the state policies. Now there's our big 400-page document with all the state and county rules that we have to follow to be able to operate in the state of Colorado. And then there's the behavioral expectations, how we expect a professional in this industry to behave, how they should conduct themselves, not just with children, but with each other and with their superiors, their supervisors, and the kids. These are four documents and then we add on the job offer, and here's what you specifically are going to do for Fire Mountain, and here are the consequences if these things are not fulfilled. If these agreements are not met, here's what we're going to do about it. That's five contracts that we have with our employees. Five documents of expectation. We cover every angle. What will never change, the non-negotiables, the state rules, which change constantly and are written in complete legalese and we have to dissect them, the mission and vision, where we're going, how we see ourselves when we get there, and then how you should act working here. So doing a contract with our kids prepares them to live in the real world because they're going to live in a world of contracts, whether they have a job at McDonald's, whether they're buying a car and getting a bank loan for it or financing through the dealership, whether they are renting an apartment. So why not begin to practice this process at home? Because we would rather them fail at home where we have a softer landing, where we have expectations and boundaries that we may have already experienced with our kids so they can know what to expect from us as people. But it also prepares us to work with kids who have taken risky behavior and gone beyond it. And this gives us an opportunity to close the gaps before the gaps have been rushed through and we have to dive through after them and grab them and bring them back. The thing about the contract is it said that it's something you write when it's not necessary. I was told when Chris and I were starting our business, Fire Mountain, they said, if you can make a handshake deal, put it in writing. And if you have to put it in writing, don't make a deal. So if you love this person enough to make a handshake agreement, then put that handshake agreement in writing. So that's what we're doing today. These are adulting skills. And this is our job as parents to prepare our kids for the adulting world. Paperwork, reading through it, disagreeing with it, having healthy conversations and healthy debates about some of the clauses in the contract is a really good skill. Teaching our kids how to negotiate rather than saying, oh my God, I have to be home at 10 o'clock on weekends. This sucks. I'm not doing this. I hate you. Versus, all right, so you're saying 10 o'clock in weekends and I was saying 1 a.m., so how about we meet in the middle at 11.45? That's a good negotiating skill. If you're lowballing, then their response should be a highball. 
That's the way we negotiate. Now, when our kids do come in with a high ball or low ball, if we get all upset at them, no, that's ridiculous. You can't. What makes you think? I can't believe you would even think that that was a good idea. What are you thinking? Did you not learn anything at Fire Mountain? Then we're reacting in the same lizard brain that the kid would be reacting when they go, oh my God, this sucks. You hate me. So we've got to practice the adulting skills on both sides, not just the kids, but us as adults have to set the tone for how we're going to negotiate. If the kid wants five hours and you want to give them one, then you make sure you came to the table with blue chips and bargaining chips. Now, let me explain that. Blue chips are the things you will never trade away. And you and your parenting partners have to decide on what those blue chips are. Blue chips are they will never be drugs in this house. The contract is null and void. And we will go to full parental control if there are drugs in this house. There will never be drinking and driving, drugs and driving, or texting and driving. Any form of distracted driving will immediately negate the driving clause of this contract. See, that's a good non-negotiable, and it's something that the kids would readily agree to, A, because they know better, B, because if they disagree, they're giving you a clear sign that they're still planning on doing these things, and C, they've been told about the dangers of texting and using and driving under the influence since they were infants. So these are good non-negotiables. Those are your blue chips. Your bargaining chips are the curfew times, and you're going to purposefully lowball some of these things. It gives us a chance to see where our kids go, oh my God, this is so stupid, I hate you, versus, wait, you want me home at 6.30 on weekends? Um, that seems a little early. I was thinking 11 o'clock. Can you meet me in the middle somewhere? If your kid came to you like that, you'd probably be much more apt to bargain with them. And if they don't, you can say, time out. Let's take a step out. I'm lowballing you, kid. And in contractual negotiations, a response to a low ball is never emotional. It's always a high ball. So come back with your high ball. Let's try this again. And it's a wonderful way to practice this, how to have a conversation, how to have a difficult conversation. Most importantly, I'm going to say most importantly to probably every single one of these things, but this is why we love the contract so much. This is our opportunity to front load our expectations and our consequences before we are angry, before we are upset, after we've dealt with our feelings that got our kids sent into trouble or a process that required a contractual negotiation to successfully navigate our ways out of front loading the process is what we've been missing as parents. We make assumptions with adults. That adults should just know how to handle things. That adults should do things a certain way because that's how adults do things. You don't expect other people to do your dishes or your laundry or to vacuum your house. You do it because it's yours and you messed it up. I remember a long time ago, my wife went out of town and I had the kids. And one of her friends contacted me and she said, hey, is Chris there? And I said, no, she's back east with her family. And she goes, you have the kids? And I said, yeah, I do. And she goes, oh, you're Mr. Mom? And I said, no, I'm the dad. And while in that moment, it was very uncomfortable for her, 
it was actually quite an eye-opening learning moment for me where I said, what is my role in this household? And how do other people see my role? How am I showing my kids in this household role? See, currently it's my role in this household to keep the house clean, to do the laundry and to do the dishes. My wife cooks and she is the CEO of Fire Mountain. My job is marketing and training parents, kids, staff. So we have very different jobs here at Fire Mountain, but our roles are very clear with each other. But that's because we front-loaded the expectations. If you don't front load the expectations, but then you're frustrated when they don't live up to these expectations you haven't told them about. And this we've all experienced. We've all done this with our kids. We've done this with our spouses. We've done this with our parenting partners and people have done it to us. There's an unspoken expectation and it causes suffering. So we're no longer going to have unspoken expectations and we're no longer going to speak them and hope that they're remembered because they, they won't be. We're going to write them down. These expectations are going to be in contractual form so that it's very clear baby talk legalese, teenage legalese. We're going to close as many holes as we can. Now, we're going to use some love and logic principles. The love and logic principles means that when we are setting up expectations and consequences, it will be based on what we are and are not willing to do as parents. Not what our kids should and should not do. And this is going to change some of the verbiage. We can accomplish the same things, but we're going to change the verbiage from you should do your homework to I'm willing to provide a car, car insurance, a phone plan, a shared internet password to children who either get C's and above or have C's below in a job. But see, it's not about what they should do. Any ex And this is a, one of the, the most powerful tenets of Buddhism. Any expectation causes suffering. The moment you have an expectation of someone, we have created a setup for suffering. So rather than say, I expect you to study, we're going to say, I'm willing to provide. I am willing to make sure that you get as long as these things are happening. I'm willing to provide a car to someone who never, not once, texts and drives, drinks and drives, or uses drugs and drives. I am willing to, I'm willing to provide a phone plan for someone who does not download porn or send pornographic photos or naked photos of themselves to other people. So we're going to base the contractual process on what we are willing and not willing to provide for, tolerate, have in our household. See, this creates it against our value system versus, well, my daddy told me that if I ever, and you will do the same, by God, so help me, golly, geez, or I'm going to create a smackdown, the likes of which, and it's all about your attitude, and it's all about your loud voice, and it's all about your authoritative parenting, which essentially is just saying to your kids, I don't trust you to make good decisions. We're going to express expectations through our own willingness. All right, I'm going to stop here because I could keep going and we have a lot more to talk about, but I want to make sure that I get some questions in. So I'm going to pull the mics off of mute and answer any questions you guys have so far. All right, you guys are unmuted. Uh, what do you want to know? Do you have any templates of these types of contracts that you use for teenagers? 
We most certainly do. I will make sure you guys get those. There is a template in the parent handbook example that I found and then created. I'd say I found it. Actually, one of our kids had written a fantastic contract and I kind of emptied out the names and used it as the template. I have another question. So as a couple, as uh, the parents are going through and figuring out what are essentially our boundaries? So what are the blue chips? What are the bargaining chips? Right. We're not sure that process works. And I think that's where we've been getting a little stuck. So you say, so one of the things that you just said is there will be no drugs in this house. And, you know, what is fair to ask as far as um, boundaries or behavior? So there's a couple things. And it, this this is a this is a topic that we definitely go over in the parent weekend ad nauseum. But what the boundary is is less important than how you deliver it. Okay, if the boundary is unreasonable and a setup for failure, it is reasonable to set the boundary and watch what happens. And then when it hits, say, okay. Listen, kiddo, rather than going into the consequence that we had set up, your dad and I have realized that we might have set this one up as a little too difficult for you to fulfill. So we would like to renegotiate the contract rather than to just create this major consequence. How do you feel about that? I think we all have an idea of what the kid's going to say. Yeah, it was really unfair. And we go into our love and logic. (laughs) I know. And I think that there is a level of behavior that all the parents, Everybody on the line, there's a level of behavior that you finally all said, that's enough. We're not doing this anymore. And that's generally when you sought Fire Mountain support. And anything that bumps up against that line, if you can reconnect with that line where you said, that's it. If you can reconnect with the emotional experience, the boundaries that it had been violated, and were they real enough boundaries? If you can reconnect to those moments where you said, that's it, we're not doing this at home anymore. There's your first step of where the clear boundary is of this will not be tolerated and significant consequences will be put into play immediately. Oh, that sucks. I know. My other friends, their parents don't. That's so sad. But here's what we're willing to live with. So that's okay. that's my first step. The second thing, and as always, is that you and your parenting partner got to work it out before you sit down at the contract table. I was told we had a uh, we had a client here many, many years ago whose dad was an attorney, a really big old powerful defense attorney, very successful. Man, if you had burnt down the Statue of Liberty, he was the one to talk to. And he, uh, I, he, he and I were talking about delayed consequences. And he said, one of the things that people don't realize in a court of law is that when that attorney asks you that killer question, people think that they have to know the answer right away. And there is no rule on the planet that says you have to come up with the answer. And what struck me about that was there's probably one of your most detrimental moments in your life that could mean the difference between life and death, freedom and not freedom. And he's saying, don't answer. Go away and figure out the answer before you come back to the table. So it's perfectly fair to say, hey, listen, obviously your dad and I are struggling to agree on this one right now. So we're going to come, we're going to table this and we're going to come back to this point. I'm interested in your thoughts. And then your dad and I are not going to give ours. We're going to go home and talk about it. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So give some space before you answer. Delayed consequences, delayed responses have their own adulting training power. This world does not happen in an hour-long murder mystery. It takes years to make these things work. So take your time with it. You don't have to do it right away. Okay. What other questions do we have? Aaron, I'll just chime in about contract because we're working on the the week home contract right now. And prior to that, um, we went on vacation. And for the child that's not in Fire Mountain, he's historically had some issues with his grandparents when we've been away. So we wrote a one-page contract about his consequences for doing some, some bad behavior while we were gone. And what his reward would be, too, if he didn't have any consequences all week. And it was a really good trial on writing a contract. And it ended up working out quite well. And and he got his reward. So I fully support the concept of, of contracts and have seen them work very well. You have brought up a really important point about contracts. And a lot of parents forget this. And I see this mistake made more than probably most mistakes with contracts. And that is that there's consequences, but there's not reward. There needs to be a balance. Contracts are beneficial to both parties. And so rather than some of the mistakes I've seen parents make when their kids leave recovery is they say, hey, you finish Fire Mountain and I'll get you a tattoo. You finish Fire Mountain, I'll get you a car. You finish Fire Mountain and here's all this awesome stuff you get. That's a mistake. And number two, to counter the 180 degrees of sick is still sick. So the counter 180 degrees to that is to say, no, there's no rewards. This is how you will act because this is how normal children act, or this is what is expected of you in the world. Contracts are beneficial to all parties, not just the parents. Contracts, and it's not okay to say your curfew will be 11 o'clock on weekends. And if you violate the curfew, you will go back to Fire Mountain. Well, what's my reward? Well, you're allowed to be at home and not at Fire Mountain. Next point, you will clean your room and do your laundry. Violating this will send you back to Fire Mountain. Well, what's my reward? You'll have clean clothes and your room will be clean. Like that's not, (laughs) those are too adulting for their brains now. And please remember this generation has been programmed, literally programmed since birth to have achievable landmarks. That's why video games are so addictive. If you guys haven't heard the podcast that I did with Cam Adair, the video game addiction expert, he goes through the reason why video game addiction is so prevalent right now. And the number one reason is it because it has measurable landmarks that every Every step that you are doing life good, there is a landmark. There's another level. There's a, a harder person to fight. There's a, uh, a a digital badge reward. So as parents, you have to recognize that we don't get to suddenly only apply life reward to a serious process like contracts, but everything else gets the banana sticker. The banana sticker is the old psychology. When your client does something good, give them a banana sticker, the positive reinforcement. The world is hell bent on positive reinforcement right now. And the internet, look, every time someone likes your post, you just got positive reinforcement. You just got a banana sticker. So for those of us, myself included, who love Facebook, I'm a banana sticker kind of guy, and so are your kids. So you have to set up your banana stickers. 
Okay, those are the rewards. Now, your rewards need to be measurable and realistic. The kids need to be able to see. So we don't just say this is where it falls apart. Your curfew will be 1030 on weekends, the end period. My suggestion is to say things like your curfew will be 1030 on weekends with an allotment for two mistakes, just like you're allowed to be five days late on your rent. You can have two mistakes. You get one accident and one mistake. But a third time is a sign of character. And that's what we say at Fire Mountain. Once is a mistake, two times is an accident. Third time is a sign of character. Now you're making bad choices. So curfew is 1030 with one mistake allowed and one accident allowed. If after six months there are no offenses beyond those two, it will move to 11. You will be allowed two offenses at 11. After six months, it will be 11.30. Now, just like when kids could stay up to such a so time because they were 12, and then they got to stay up till such a so time when they're 14, we're doing the same thing. And it's exactly what we want people to expect when they get into the working world. How come you don't pay me what I'm worth? Because you've only been working here a week, and I don't know you from Adam. And so when you work here a year, we'll start to talk about incre- incremental uh, increases. And that's how we're going to do it with the kids. So set it up out of the gate so that they see there's a positive future and a negative future, and they get two roads with which to choose. Two paths diverged into the yellow wood. That's what we want to give them in the gate. They have the power from the beginning to head down that road where I get to move from 10 to 11. And look at the negotiating power there. How about three months instead of six? I'll agree to four. And now you've just given the kid a win, and you still get to make it incremental in a controllable, realistic, smart format. And so you can take these bargaining chips and you can break them up all over the place. Listen, kid, I don't want to make this thing about your room having to be clean every single day, even though I know you did it for four months at Fire Mountain. Here's what I'm willing to agree to. I am willing to not bug you about your room. I am willing to live with a teenager who has a dirty room as long as my dishes are in the sink to be washed and that you take a part of the sink washing chores, all right? We create little negotiations. Well, does that mean I have to do dishes every night? Well, give me a counter offer. Well, I'll do dishes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. No, not Fridays. Uh, How about, and now we're negotiating, but we're keeping that blue chip in place. I want help with the house cleaning. Here's nine things I want you to clean. Well, that's too many. Can I have six? Let's make it seven and a half. That's our negotiating places. So we're going to find the little places to negotiate. That way they feel like they get a win constantly and they have power to choose. And we're showing them how to ask for things. When I used to teach the life skills program, I would tell the kids, when your parent says no, that's the beginning of negotiation. I know you're all going to hate me for saying that, but it's true. And it's a skill we want your kids to have in the real world. They go for a job interview and they ask for 18 bucks an hour and they say, no, we start at 11. That's the beginning of the negotiation. That's not the end. That's where you start to declare your value. That's where you start to that's where you start to push a little bit and see how far if you can get it to a dollar more and make 13 instead of 12 instead of 11, look at what you got. And so no is the beginning of the negotiation. Now how they handle negotiation after no, that tells you a lot of what you need to know and you can always call time out in the negotiation process and say this type of negotiation would never work in the real world. And like it or not, kiddo, this is a real world. 
what we're doing right now is a real-world contract. This is not a superficial, we're doing this so that Fire Mountain leaves us alone thing. You might, and if you are, then I will go ahead and create the contract. But if you want to do this contract with me, then I need a different style of negotiation. There will be no more screaming. There will be no more crying and stomping out of the room. Because in the next hour, we're going to get 12 points of this contract dealt with. If there is a walk-off, those 12 points will still be created without you. That's the power of being the facilitator of the contract. At the end of the day, this whole contractual process stops with you. The buck stops with you on this. There needs to be, and I, and I hope you hear it in the tone of my voice, and this is another ad nauseum piece of the Parent Weekend that we're going to train and train and train, is there is an emotionless tact to this. When I sit down and negotiate, if I become emotional, if I take it personally, the other negotiator has won. If I get triggered, they've won. If I, at any point in time, give the impression that I have to win, the other person's won. So I'm going to be as emotionless about this as possible, which means two things. Number one, I either save my emotions for later, or number two, I dealt with them already. So that when I come to this table, and you're going to come to the table, and your kid's going to throw a little fit because they're not going to get what they want, and they signed up for this contract, and they want to stay out till 3 a.m. on weekdays and never come home all weekend because they're going to sleep at their boyfriend's house, or they're going to buy a camper and go journey to Moab on weekends, or some crazy stuff that they say. And this was an example that one of the parents said at the beginning of the call, well, I've been in Fire Mountain for five months, so you should trust me with this. Yeah, that's not how it works. It's been working at Fire Mountain, but Fire Mountain watches you 24-7. There are cameras all over the place. There's alarms on the doors. They have a huge strict rules. And I know you can follow strict rules because you wouldn't have graduated successfully if you couldn't. So this is you and me creating our rules, rules which, with which we are going to work together as a family. So either you're part of this process or you're not. And if you're not, that's fine. I'll create it. But if you're going to be a part, Here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to have conversations with people who aren't screaming at me. I'm willing to have conversations with people who don't stomp out of the room. And I know some of the things I'm going to say are going to make you upset. I'm okay with that. And we'll talk through it. And I'm okay with having those hard conversations. But I'm not willing to talk to someone who calls me names. I will not negotiate with name calling. Well, that's just because you're a bitch. And that's when you look at the therapist and you say, I think we need to stop. Because you can always change the date of the coming home. You can always change the date of the coming home contract. I pulled a kid's airplane tickets to fly home to Detroit the night before he went home because he refused to participate in the contractual process. So we can always, as adults, come in and say, I'm not going to rent you an apartment if you're going to scream and call me names when I don't let you smoke pot there. All right, so that's the emotionless parenting piece. It doesn't mean we don't have emotions. It means we're going to parent right now without them. We have them, but we're not going to use them in our parenting. We are not going to be emotional parents. Now, the emotional negotiators. Now, certainly, we all know as adults, using emotions during negotiation can sometimes be very powerful. Watch your kids try to use it. See what it does to you. See how it triggers you. Consequences. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm less concerned with what your consequences are than how they're delivered. And by that, I mean they are clear and they are front-loaded, which means those consequences are spelled out. 
before the contract is ever signed. And even if you look and go, oh, holy crap, we left a huge hole in that one. They're going to be able to walk right through it. Then keep your mouth shut. Hope they don't see it. And then say, hey, kiddo, we're talking about things are going so well. We're talking about doing a renegotiation of the contract coming up here in a few weeks. What do you say to that? And then renegotiate that point. But you have to live up to the contract, too. It has to be clear. So you need to take time with those consequences. Now, to answer the question, what's too much? Well, you always have one solid go-to. If you hit this point, you go back to Fire Mountain. Now, when your kid relapses, and for the parents who are first coming onto these calls, I know I said the W word, not the I word. Not if your kid relapses, when. Relapse is part of recovery. And it, maybe it'll be with what they did, or maybe it'll be a different way of doing it. There will be relapse. Whether it's action or behavior, there will be relapse. When relapse happens, the consequences should be clear. Now, I'm working with a parent currently whose kiddo had a very successful graduation. She finished Fire Mountain. She, she hemmed and hawed for about two months. And then for her last three months, she dialed it. She got it. She was like, okay, this is the life I want. She started experiencing the freedom. Her parents started to back off as the kid said, nope, nope, nope. I'm, you know what? I'm communicating violently. Let me start again. And the parents were like, holy crap, what's going on? And so the kid has a really amazing graduation, goes home with the family. A year goes by and I just got a call a couple weeks ago. They did their second going out of town and leaving the kiddo at home alone. The first one was very successful. The second one, the kiddo did acid, had a bad trip. 911 was called. She thought she was dying. She was in the ER. Parents had to fly home on emergency. Oh, it was a mess. The good news is that the girl said, all right, I can't do that. And it's very obvious to me that there's no middle ground with me and drugs. It's either all sobriety or I'm a junkie. And so I'm done. I'm out. And she's bounced back from that relapse. And God help us all that that's the experience we all have with our kiddos. The parent called me and she was worried. She said, do you think it's time for her to come back to Fire Mountain? Because she had this major relapse with the drug and an OD and a near-death experience, even if it was a little, you know, heady and, and visualized. I said, well, what do you think? She goes, I don't think so. And I said, are you saying that out of fear for the commitment that you have to make because she comes back? And she goes, no, 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 no. We're totally ready to do that if that's what's needed. I think she actually got the lesson. I said, then great, then don't. Whether it's a full relapse, full tilt, all the way back to ground zero, rock bottom is rocketing upwards towards ground zero. And you, we talk, we're going to talk it out. I'm not going to be the guy who says, yeah, bring them back to Fire Mountain, we got to bed. If that's what you think they need, and that's what's been agreed to in the contract, all right, let's see if we can facilitate it. But there's multiple layers to it. There's multiple layers to relapse. There's multiple layers to consequences. Think your way through it now when you don't need it, because now is when you're going to make the most realistic, the most sane, the most level-headed, even-keeled decisions about what's going to happen when the kiddo comes home. Do not involve the kiddo with those conversations until the coming home contract process. Right now, it's just between the two of you. But by God, have those conversations now. Or if it's just the one of you, start thinking through it. Start writing down your thoughts now while you're not upset. These landmarks, we call it the ETR, earning the right. 
Make the landmarks clear. Make them smaller instead of bigger. Hey, if you do stay sober for six months, you can have a tattoo. Oh my God, do not do that. Do not do that. When a kid asks you if they can have a tattoo, say, when you're 18 and they're paying for it, do whatever the heck you want to that. And it's going to drive you crazy. I know because my daughter has 14 of them and I have 16. So what am I going to say? But we made it very clear, the landmarks towards that. We made it very clear until which ones that we were going to be willing to support and which ones we wouldn't. Cars were the same thing for both my kids. We're willing to provide a car, but you must provide your own insurance. We are not willing to provide insurance for crazy teenage drivers who are still learning how to make choices. That's on you. And that's a, right now with both of my kids in college, we say we will support you to the level that you are in school. If you're only in school halftime, then here's how much money you can have for life. One third of the time, all the way. So we set up the landmarks, but we set it up before the landmarks are required. This earning the right, these landmarks of when you get the rewards need to be as clear as the expectations and the consequences. One of the keys around consequences is that if it makes you uncomfortable, it's probably right. If the consequence and facilitating the consequence makes you uncomfortable, probably on the right track. Now, there's a second piece to that. If you set a consequence that you are not going to fulfill, it is irrelevant. I had a parent who said to me, and this was the most recent example and not, and not the only one, trust me on that, who said, we told our kid that if she did that, we were going to call the cops on her. And I looked at the mom and I said, you're not going to call the cops on your daughter. And she goes, no, of course not. I said, you don't think she knows that? That was a meaningless consequence. So don't set consequences that you're not going to follow through on. If it makes you uncomfortable, you're probably on the right track. If you say, oh, that's too much, then back off of it. If one of you is saying that's too much and the other is saying it's not enough, well, now you get to practice negotiating with each other. And you're going to learn a lot about each other in the negotiation process. And God forbid you realize how your kiddo ended up where they did based on how you guys talk to each other. I know that's harsh, but we don't learn through lecture. We learn through modeling. And so this is our opportunity as parents to model what we expect. Okay, we don't agree on this one. And how we approach this together is really going to teach our son a lot. So I want abstinence and you're saying marijuana and cigarettes are okay, but not in the house. What's a middle ground of those two things? And work it out before you talk to the kid. Because the moment you and your parenting partners come ununified, you've given the kid the exit. And any child will take the exit out of discomfort. Why wouldn't they? That is human nature. That is not a bad choice of your child. That is human nature when you're in survival mode. Okay, you guys are all still unmuted. So I want to make sure we've got as much time as we need. Uh, I scheduled 10 more minutes left. Let's do some other questions and stuff like that. Uh, Charlie here. Uh, question, what's the sort of panoply or the, the range of function? And it probably is completely independent of families, but I'm wondering what we talk about rewards, you know, is that completely, um, completely individual or are there some in today's society that you have found work reasonably well? That's such a great question. Thank you for bringing that up. 
because I think, and I, w- I want to say this back to you another way, but there has been this idea with parenting and that consequences and reward have to be uniform versus individualized. And I sincerely disagree with that, especially when kids' behaviors are individualized. So if we have one child who's got a cell phone and a car, because of their behavior and because of their choices and because of their level of responsibility. And then you're looking at this child who's coming out of recovery, who may have done very, very well in recovery. And you're saying, I'm willing to provide a car to children who make blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not fair because so-and-so gets, well, here is a middle ground to that. When I see one year, when I am willing to provide a car to someone who is consistent for one year in their habits of grades, decision-making, homework, whatever you decide. So I think and I believe and I am recommending that you individualize the rewards and the challenges and the consequences based on this child. And if they don't like it, that's too bad. And that's harsh. But that's mm. also kind of a very clear, you and me have a special relationship we got to work on. And this is how I see us through this. You don't have to like this, but I'm willing to do these things, college, car, insurance, cell phone, internet, privacy in your room, these types of things. When I feel safe in my own home, unworried about my son slash daughter driving home under the influence or texting. When I see responsible personal management skills on schoolwork that doesn't have to involve mom or dad and making sure that things are done. Participation with chores in the house so that the balance of work at home isn't just resting on one person or two people. And so make it individualized. Number two, as far as things that tend to have some weight with this generation, obviously anything media, anything social, anything communication driven has a lot of weight. And while it may be superficial, great, fine, use it, keep it, but keep it on the small ones. The big ones are cars and freedom and school at a place of their choice. Curfew's always a big one. Curfew's always a really good one. So rewards, kind of categorize them. You know, these are the small ones that are easy to bargain away. And if we lose these, we don't really care, but we're going to pretend we care to keep focus away from these blue chips that are non-negotiables, and then these middle ones that are important to us, but we're willing to talk about. So make a list of everything that you could give, take away, and then just kind of categorize them in one of three categories. Does that help? Great. Oh, yeah, that, that's great. Thank you. Perfect. Anyone else? Questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, queries as to how your kid's going to handle it. All right. Oh, I have a question. Yeah, please go ahead. I just want to say hi to Charlie. Hello. How does it work if you have two separate homes. So you have a, you know, home with a stepfather and mother and then maybe with a father and a stepmother. How does that work? Do you need to set all of the contract or do you do separate contracts for this different home? Brilliant. First thing I'm going to say back to that is you're going to do what works to maintain the relationship with the co-parents. Because our mantra here is you take care of yourself first, you take care of your adult relationship second, and you take care of your kids third. So if it's going to work better for the co-parents to have a unified 
similar contract and co-parents are willing to meet at coffee shops and Perkins and hash it out before they make the offer to the kid, awesome, do that. And if they're not, then say, hey, co-parent, what do you think? Should we unify on this and get through some of our struggles? Or do you feel that we need to have two separate contracts? Do what works for your adult relationship, not the the kid comes third. So we want parents as unified as possible. And if that means that they both have contracts and that's as unified as they get, fine, fine. As long as people are front loading clear agreements with landmarks in play and a reward system that matches the level of consequence, great. Just do it. Have it in place. Stick to it. Fulfill it. Uphold it. The next level up from that is to everybody has the same one so that the kid can have that level of consistency. And the world is not consistent. The world is not designed to everybody comes in and treats you the same. And that's been one of the things that has been really hard for the millennials and the I generation to really grok. And that's not their fault. It's the parents' fault. When we give them the trophy for last place, it cheapens first place and cheapens last place. When I played hockey, And I was the goalie and I'm riding in the car home with my dad on the way and I'm dour and down and depressed because they won and I was the goalie. And he says, well, my dad, this was this was my dad's answer. Well, they won because they're better. What you going to do next? So the world's not unified. Not everybody in the world agrees. But what we're missing right now, especially in our country and in this world that does not agree, is the ability to love and prosper anyway. The ability to say, you worship that, and I worship this, and you believe that, and you vote for this, and this, and guess what? We're all going to, that's the way the world works, is that people do things differently. So you're going to have those agreements there, and these agreements here, and that's the way it goes. Well, this is confusing. Listen, your kid probably has 15 or 16 passwords remembered just fine. They can handle some agreements. The more things you can agree upon, great. If it starts to get detrimental, where it says, hey, we can smoke pot in dad's house with dad, and at mom's house, you know, she's not going to lock up the alcohol, but by God, kid, you should make good choices. Well, then we're really setting some things up. So what are we setting up? Are we setting up an environment to succeed or to fail? But that's up for every individual to figure out. Well, I don't care if the kid smokes pot as long as they don't shoot heroin. Well, okay. Don't see that working a lot personally. And I'm willing to tell any parent that. That's very rare. And in fact, in all the addicts in recovery that I know of, I know of one person who's handled that. One. And even now, he still, he dropped cigarettes a year ago and said, I'm done. I don't want a kid to smoke. What am I doing? So I've seen it work once. He doesn't shoot heroin. He doesn't snort coke. He doesn't smoke meth anymore. And you know what? He smokes pot every now and then. Some people can do that. That's not me. Those those don't tend to be my friends, but he and I are very close. So if it's going to be different, make it different. Just both of you follow the rules. And if it's going to be the same, great. That really shows a lot of unity in paradigm. At least let the unity be, okay, have your own rules, set it up according to plan, front load, be clear, set landmarks, have rewards, stick to it, uphold the consequences. Does that help? Yes. Thank you. Good. Yes. What other questions? Aaron, I don't have a question, but just want to caution the parents on the call. Be careful about the whole curfew conversation. Um, (laughs) 
because coming into ours, we had totally, totally different views of what curfew meant. So it wasn't just arguing over what the hours were, but um, negotiating on what the definition of curfew was. So we had to write into the contract what the definition of curfew meant. That's brilliant. That is so brilliant. What a great point. The other thing that we've learned through going through this is that as we were trying to get aligned as parents, you know, my husband and I would talk back and forth and sometimes get emotional about about it. But once we wrote it down on a piece of paper and started editing it, it took a lot of the emotion out. You know, it Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily have to sit down at the table to to update the document. And it really helped us get on the the same page because you're having a conversation. And even as parents, you're not aligned. You're you're saying words and it's going over each other's heads. And until you start writing it down, and that's, that's the beauty of the whole contract is getting it very clear on a piece of paper that everybody can look at and understand. Isn't that one of the adult mantras where we say, if it ain't written down, it never happened. And we have to teach that to our teenagers. We have to get that into their heads. I live and die by the daytimer. One of the landmarks that I was telling you guys about, one of the founding principles of Fire Mountain is the use of daytimers. We expect every single one of our staff member to use a daytimer. If it's not written down, folks, if I I wrote down right here across from three o'clock tomorrow, coming home contract template to parents. I have that right above, right below, clean the cat box. (laughs) If it's not written down, it's not going to happen. And it's just an idea until you put it on paper and then it's a plan. So you have to write it down. I want to go back to also what was said when we come into conversation like curfew or a conversation like allowance or a conversation around anything that has a numerical value to it. Expect the high ball. Expect the low ball and respond in kind. Respond with an even number opposing it. So if they come in, I want 12 midnight, come back with eight and work your way towards the center. Show them how to do this. I'm not doing eight. Whoa a big reaction. I I had a pretty big reaction to 12. What's a better thing? All my friends get to stay out at 12. I know. So I don't understand why I can't stay out to 12. Well, at this point, I'm willing to do eight unless there's another conversation. Eight's bullshit. Okay. So right now, I'm feeling like we're not communicating, that I'm starting to get cussed at and yelling. Well, that's because you know. Okay, time out. I'm not willing to argue about this. I'm willing to discuss it. I'm willing to negotiate but I will not argue. I am not willing to do this. I love you too much to argue. Well, I can't do midnight. I can't do eight. I can't do midnight. Okay, fine. 11, now we're getting somewhere. We said, tell them. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Here's my concerns about 11. My concern, no, no, I don't want you to answer my concerns because it's not your responsibility to fix my concerns. It's your responsibility to discover freedom and responsibility. So my concerns with 11 are keeping me from agreeing to 11. Well, what concerns do you have? Well, they belong to me. I'm willing to go 1030. Okay. Well, I could go back to eight. No, I'll do 1030. Okay. Here's what I'm also willing to agree on. After six months, I'll increase it to 11. If the following thing and have those ready to go. The biggest thing about this contract, have as much ready to go beforehand and don't make any snap decisions in the middle. I had a contractual process with an employee just this past weekend. And when I slid the contract in front of him, 
He paused, picked it up, and he read it front to back. It was so uncomfortable to sit there across from him in silence. But I also recognized that if I didn't, it could be construed that I was trying to force him into agreement. I don't ever want any of your kids to be forced into a contractual agreement one day. So say, take as much time as you need to to read this over. I have a copy of it, so use a pen, make any changes you want. Let's not discuss the changes until after you've read through the whole contract. And then we'll get back to it. So take a half hour, we'll come back to the table. Then they come back and they've come up with a really good idea. So listen, I would really think it's really important if I bought my own car. I think that would show a lot of responsibility to you guys because to do that, I would have to have a job and blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm not saying anything that I have never heard a kid say, but I would like you guys to pay for my insurance because I'll have my car and I'll have to pay for gas and it won't be high insurance because I'll be buying it used and I'll save up the money before. So if I buy my own car, will you guys pay insurance? Wow. That's a really big adult-sized decision. Thank you for saying it that way. Thank you for putting it that way. Your dad and I want to talk about that. That's really great. Well, I'm just saying that if I do that, then you white guys won't have to put up that money up front. You'll just have to pay the monthly thing. Yeah, that's making a lot of sense to me, and I want to discuss it with your dad. Well, why can't you just say yes now? Because right now, I'm feeling pressured by you to agree to something that I'm not ready to agree to, and that's not good negotiation. That makes me want to walk. If a car dealer was doing this to me, I'd walk out. So let's not finish this conversation now. Let's just start it. I love the idea. Leave it there while I love it. Okay. When will you have an answer? Good question. I think I need about 24 hours for that one, and I might ask for an extension. These are incredible learning, teaching, loving, logical conversations. It's a great way to do this process. Start your contractual process, and you have two of them just at Fire Mountain. You have your week at home and you have your final coming home. The final coming home contract should be easier to do because you already have the template based on the week at home and you can just make some minor changes to it. So that one tends to go faster. When your kid starts to get into the pass home phase, the week at home phase, which I believe now is either Bard or Wizard, as the phases have changed from numerical to the archetypal phases. So I believe it's in Bard that they start their passes at home. The moment they start coming home for passes, start this work. It is too late to start it when you've set a date for coming home. Start it when you don't need to start it. Pressure yourself into doing the work when you're not being pressured to do it so that you can do it with your best brain. My final piece of advice is anything of consequence requires a contract. Even if it's a one sentence, if it's a one pager, this coming home contract will be anywhere from one to four pages, depending on how it's written. Anything of consequence requires a contract. When the car happens, it's contract time. When a job happens, it's contract time. When they say, I'm going to drop out because I'm 17 and get my GED, it's contract time. What's in the contract matters less than how you do the contract, because once it's signed, it's law. Keep it on the fridge. Give everybody a copy, sit down and do contract review meetings when things are going good, and then when you do it, when things are going bad, it won't be so high energy. It'll just be another review. Renegotiate whenever it feels right. Does anybody have any final questions? I've kept you for an hour and seven minutes. I want to make sure you get everything mm-hmm. you need out of this conversation, though. It's been great. Thanks. Lots of great information. Okay. The Parents Weekend is coming up. New parents, 
plan on being there and parents who've already been to one, you are absolutely welcome to come back to another one. That's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 16th through 19th of November. Start making your arrangements now so that other kiddos can be watched and stuff like that. And then I will do another one of these calls in about two weeks. If you have any topic you would absolutely love me to cover, don't hesitate to email me at Aaron at FireMountainPrograms.com. If I don't hear from any of you, I'll just come up with the next thing that I really feel you guys should know. And you can go to Beyond Risk and Back and see the other downloads that we have. I have two recently that are really phenomenal. One is with Cam Adair, Video Game Addiction, and the other was with Carmen Cool, and she's a therapist who deals in eating disorders and disorder eating. Holy mackerel, that was high-intensity incredible information. This woman is a genius and I'm very, very fond of her. So go check those out. You can download them wherever. You can go to Mental Health News Radio to look at all the episodes there. And then as always, check in with your therapist. If there's anything going on that's causing you guys concern, don't hold on to it. Give it to your therapist, bring it up. And I'll say this to you now. I say it to you guys always. Here's the mantra. Take care of yourself first. Take care of your adult relationships second. Take care of your children third, because in that way, we do the best work with our children. Thank you for joining us at Beyond Risk and Back. Support for parents, clinicians, and teachers. Join us at beyondriskandback.com. You can download past episodes there. Visit Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center's website for information, support, and continuing education trainings for parents and professionals at www.firemountainprograms.com. You can also connect with me directly on Facebook by searching at Beyond Risk and Back. You can also follow me on Twitter, catch me on YouTube, and join me here every week for another podcast. This is Aaron Huey saying, remember, take care of yourself first, your adult relationships second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work for the children. Thank you for listening, and we will talk again soon.